afternoon, I'll go fishing. So I thought I'd bring it, and I'm all ready to go. I did want to tell you about Jim. Jim was actually out fishing one day, and the only thing that was biting were the mosquitoes. Old fishing joke there. And so Jim decides on the way home, instead of going home empty-handed, he decides that he's going to stop at the supermarket. So he goes into the supermarket, and he says to the guy behind the clerk, he goes, hey, pick out the four biggest catfish and throw them to me. And he goes, why, why? He goes, well, so I can officially tell my wife that I caught these fish. So the first fish comes over, and it's an orange roughy. He goes, no, 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 I told you I wanted catfish. He said, no, 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 your wife called and said if you came in to give you orange roughy, she didn't want catfish tonight. I didn't write it. I'm just reporting it. So, so how many fishermen do we have in the house? Come on. How many of y'all ever fished before? How's that? Okay. So I want to talk to you about fishing because fishing can actually be very relaxing. It's a, it's, it's a great way just to kind of get rid of the stress. I've really never met a really hurried fisherman. Think about that. Everywhere else, everything's always about competition, right? I mean, how quickly can we do this or how fast can we do that? Fishing is just about relaxing. It's just you and the fish. Sometimes it's just you but mostly it's supposed to be about you and the fish. Now, there are people, though, that take this sport to a higher level. And, and these are, are called um, sportsmen, uh, fishermen, and they will spend a lot of money on equipment. If you want to, I found this boat online. It's only $49,900, okay? Just, it's just shy of 50 grand. And if you want to buy it, I'll ride in it, okay? But I just wanted to show you, because you can go out and you can spend a lot of money on, on boats. You can spend a ton of money on a rod and reel. Looking like this isn't cheap either. I just want you to know that, okay? <laughs> just kidding. But they spend all this money on the equipment because they compete in contests. Now, some of you may be shocked, but there are contests out there, fishing contests, that the grand prize totals a million dollars. Now, some of you are thinking, I've been doing the wrong thing, okay? <laughs> All right? million dollars. Lacey, I know you're a good golfer, but you might want to think about competitive fishing because million dollars, Danny have a few ways to spend that. So when you start getting into that level, and you know what's really odd about this? is that when you go into competitive fishing, they catch and release, which means they catch the fish, and then they throw them back in. Now, if I got a $50,000 boat, and I've got a couple thousand dollars involved in this, I'm going to keep some of those fish. I'm, yeah, exactly, but not these sportsmen. What they do is they catch and release. Now, I want to take you to some three men in the Bible that were professional fishermen also. And Peter, James, and John, they weren't sportsmen fishermen. They were fishermen. They didn't catch and release. They caught and ate, caught and sold, caught and lived off of what they did. And so it wasn't a pastime for them. It was their, their living. That's the way they made a living. So they, the story we're about to go into said that they had been fishing all day or all night and have caught nothing. 
Now, I always tell you that when you start reading the Bible, don't just read through as quickly as you can. Look at each section because, as you know, I do software sales during the week. And there are some months that are great when it comes to software sales, and there's some months that aren't. Greg Heinzman is the most faithful to always say, how is this week in the software business? And a lot of times I'll say, Greg, it was a wonderful week. Or sometimes I'll say, this has been a difficult month. But I don't know if you've ever been in sales or if you create or design, but I don't know if you've ever worked really hard at something and it didn't come through the way you thought it was to come through. Maybe you're in sales and you didn't sell anything all day. Maybe you were out knocking on doors and no one even opened the door. Or maybe you're a software developer and you developed this thing and the very moment you hit enter, it crashed. And you're like, man, that was eight, nine, ten hours just down the drain. We've got to see that they had been fishing all night and they had caught nothing, which meant they were bringing nothing home. So obviously they're very frustrated, they're tired, um, they're kind of worn out. And now they're on shore because it's morning time, the day's happening. And what's happening for you non-fishermen people is that the day was getting a little too hot, the fish were going a little deeper, and that's not where they could catch them with nets. See, they liked when the fish were up in the shallow that they could catch them, but as the heat of the day went, they're going to look for cooler water. I would do that if I were a fish. I'd be saying, hey, where's the cool water? Oh, okay, and I'd be going right down there with everybody else. So they knew when were the good times to, to fish. So what they're doing when Jesus comes upon this scene is that they're cleaning their nets. Cleaning nets is not a fun thing. I'm going to tell you that right out, okay? It's not like, oh, I can't wait to get back to the shore and I'm going to clean some nets. Let me clean yours for you too, okay, Patrick? Okay, man, just next time, let me clean them. Now, this is just the cleanup of what you've been trying to accomplish. So when Jesus comes up to them, they're cleaning nets. Now, I want you to know that Jesus is popular. And everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd. Remember, they didn't have cable television back then, so he was the best show in town. There was healings taking place. Demons were being exercised out of people. Limbs were being restored. Lame people were walking. Blind people that they had grown up with. They knew these weren't actors. They were seeing the real deal. I, I don't even think we can fathom what we would have really seen if we would have seen the miracles that Jesus was performing. We, we see a, a fraction of them that were recorded in the Gospels, but all that he did and touched... And so the crowd is following him, and it says that he sees the two boats. And he sees one of the boats that belongs to Peter, and he gets asked to get into the boat with Peter. Now, this may seem a little strange to you, and because let's, let's kind of break it down in today's terms. I decide that I'm going to go preaching at the Walmart parking lot, okay? And I'm out there preaching, and a crowd starts gathering around. And I see David Carlson, and David's got his truck right there. And David's walking out, he's like, hey, that looks like my pastor. Hey, that looks like about 40, 50 people in Walmart. Looks like something's going on. And I said, hey, David, can I jump in the back of your pickup truck? I need to talk to these people. David and I are friends. And I'm thinking that David's going to say, yeah, if it'll help you, jump in the back of my truck. Because we have a relationship. Now, if I had never met David before, he's not going to let some Yahoo that's in the Walmart parking lot yelling at people jump in the back of his truck. Because he's thinking, Paul is expecting me home in a few minutes. What am I going to explain to her? What if the police show up? What are all these things? But he knows me. So he says, hey, 
Pastor, if you need to use my truck, use my truck. So here, David's sitting in the back of his truck, and I'm standing in the back of his truck, and we're preaching at Walmart, and people are getting saved, and awesome things are happening because we had a relation. Now, I want you to see here, now you've probably read this story many times, but you've got to realize that Peter had met Jesus before because Jesus, through Andrew, Peter's brother, and we're going to read this here in John 1, verses 40 and 42, they had met previously. And this is what the Word of God tells us. In John 1, verses 40 and 42, And one of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. In verse 41, He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Peter knew Jesus. He'd been personally introduced. I think even from this introduction that Peter liked Jesus. He's a rabbi. He's, he's like, I, I, your teaching is different than anything else I've ever heard. Everyone else is preaching about law. You're preaching about grace and love and mercy. They're condemning me for what I'm not doing. You're telling me what I can do. See, that's the big difference between grace and the law. A lot of us are really good at law and judging other people. And we don't want to look at as much of what Jesus is saying about us to love and to forgive and to seek peace. And he's thinking, this is different than what I've been hearing in the synagogue. So I think what happens is Peter's probably even heard Jesus preach a few times. And in fact, I think he's slipping away and he's going into the services and, and he's sitting there. And, and let's even put it this way. Maybe even Peter is a, a member of the Jesus church, okay? He's... He's sitting there, and, and he's, he's sitting on the rock. He's listening to Jesus. He, uh, he's watching everything going on, and he's just, he's just a member. He's a pew setter, okay? That's all he's doing. Here comes a really good point. Because Jesus, at this time, was not the focus of Peter's life. Fishing was. Okay? And what we have in the church today are a lot of people that are pew setters, know about Jesus, seen so many little Christmas specials about a baby born in a manger, but Jesus isn't the focus of their life. Their career is their focus of their life. Their, their spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, their career, their education, sports, politics, yeah, they, they attend church, but Jesus is not the focus of their life. And I truly believe that the church is coming to a point where there is going to be a separation, that those people who are just Jesus pew-sitters are not going to make it. It's going to be those, when times start getting harder, that are the followers of Jesus, that really know the Word of God, that Christ is not a part-time occupation for them. It's everything to them. So what happens is Jesus is here and he's preaching and he needs Peter's help. So he asks Peter, hey, would you help me out? And Peter's like, sure. So I think Peter grabs his nets, puts them in the boat. He pushes out a little bit so that Jesus can use the acoustics of the water and he talks to the group. And you know what Peter gets? He gets a first-hand seat at probably one of the best sermons ever preached in the, in the history of mankind. All right? 
That's all he's doing. He's sitting there in his boat saying, this is great. I don't even have to strain to hear him. He's in my boat preaching to all these people. Well, after Jesus preaches, the people start to disperse. They're going home. And so Peter thinks, I'm ready to coast back into the water. I've been out fishing all night. It reminds me of Danny when you were working night jobs. I remember Danny would work all night, then come to church. And he would pray that I would not have an 18-point message, okay? But he was like, he was here because it was a priority to him. Peter had been fishing all night, and now Jesus preached, and he's ready to go home and get some shut-eye. But not Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, um, let's go out a little deeper. Now, you got to realize all that's happening in this. Peter's a professional fisherman. He had the academy hat. He had the academy shirt. He's got the rod and reel. He knows what's going on. And here's a carpenter that's turned preacher that's going to tell him when and where to fish. How many of us tell God when something would be better? God says, I want you to go talk to that person. Not now, God, I'm too busy. I want you to give that person $20. God, that's my last 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm not giving them 20 bucks. I don't even know them. Why should I give it to them when I got plenty of reasons I could spend this $20? Sometimes we argue with God when he's asking us to do something. And you know what? God will find someone else that's willing. You just miss the ability to be blessed. Okay? God uses you, but he's not dependent on you. He has other ways of getting $20 to that single person that needed help that day. So Jesus has been speaking. Luke 5, 4, we see this. And when he had ceased speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, if you've got the King James Version, and I've pointed this out before, but it's just worth repeating. In the King James Version, Jesus tells you to let down your nets with an S. And we're going to see here in a minute, Peter, after a little coaxing, let down a net. God is always wanting to bless you to the amount of your obedience. Sometimes he's saying, do this, 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 and you'll say, well, God, I'll do that one. I'll take door number two, God. And really, he wanted to bless you with all three doors, okay? But we chose door number two because it was most convenient for this, our time. It was most convenient for our schedule. But God is a God of blessing of all three doors. We just sometimes limit God in our obedience. That's a whole other message. Okay, so now Peter's a professional fisherman, and he knows two things. One, this is not the time of day to be fishing with nets. And two, this is not the part of the lake that we fish in. Now, I want you to be in the boat with Jesus, okay? He's a good preacher, but I've never seen him fish before, and he's telling me to do this. And so you almost can think of Peter thinking, you know, I just cleaned these nets. It took me like a couple hours to clean these nets, and now he wants me to dip them in the water just so he can think he did something good, and they're going to get all dirty again, and then i got to go and clean them again, and then I get to go home and sleep. Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? I mean, honestly, can you not relate with some of these people? Have you ever been in a grouchy mood? Have you been a little irritated? Have you ever been tired? And somebody's saying, hey, let's go do this. And you're like, I don't want to do that. Okay. Sit there. Stare at me. Okay. So (laughs) Peter tries to reason with Jesus. 
And, and, and you can almost hear the frustration in his voice. And I know we're reading this in the King James Version. But there's a little frustration in here because in Luke 5.5 5 it says, And Simon answered him saying, Teacher, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I've been up all night. I'm tired. It's hot. I'm cranky. I'm hungry. Kristen knows the way I am when I'm hungry. And I don't think I'm going to be speaking in the King James Version. At thy word, Master. I've been like, um, I've been out here all night, and I'm really tired. And I think you're great, okay? Honestly, you got the whole thing going on. But let me fish, you preach, and let our lives go on together. That would have been Mark's version of his response. I'm just being honest with you, okay? And, and I think Peter's expecting Jesus to say, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking. It was the sun. I've been standing out here for quite a while. Let's just go on back and, and let me buy a, a... What would they be drinking back then? <laughs> Water, maybe a glass of wine, because I don't know. They're going to drink something, okay? So Jesus doesn't say anything after this response. Now, I'm going to tell you something that has taken me many many years to understand. When Kristen asks me to do something and I say I don't want to and there's silence, I better do it. Amen. Best thing you guys, single people, could have learned right then. If her hands are crossed, do it faster. And maybe once in the 24, almost 25 years, I've got a toe tap. <laughs> that means I can't do this fast enough. It should have already been done. I should have done this yesterday before you even asked me to do it today, okay? So Peter's saying, Jesus, hey, it's, uh, you know, it's not the time of day. And Jesus just looks at him. I don't think Jesus tapped his toe, but he's looking at him like, so, did I ask you to do this? So? Peter says, all right, at your word, I'm going to let down my net. And kind of shrugs and this is the good part. All of a sudden, there's this like boiling of water all around the boat. And I'm thinking it's freaking Peter out, okay? Because I've been out on boats before and I've never seen fish just start boiling up to the top, okay? And all of a sudden, he starts seeing this where they shouldn't be at the time of the day it shouldn't happen and he's through one net and i'm thinking at some point in the back of his mind he's thinking i should have thrown two nets okay right i'm saying hey next week bring a bucket you're going to be blessed and you bring this little bucket and i'm handing out gold bullion somebody's gonna say man i should have brought a bigger bucket why did i bring this dinky little bucket if i knew that there was gonna be free gold being handed out but he, he's thinking at some point should have thrown out more nets but all of a sudden, he starts bringing this up, and we're in Luke 5, 6, and he says, And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their net, singular, broke. So he's calling in help, he's getting reinforcements, and they're hauling this into the boat. And I'm going to tell you that this has never happened in Peter's life before. When you encounter God, there's going to be things that have never happened to you before that you are not going to be able to take credit for, okay? 
So they'd caught this fish, they brought it in, and that's when, at this exact moment, right there, he realized that this is the Messiah, and he went from being a pew setter to a follower of Christ. See, it's time for the church to quit being pew setters and start being followers of Christ. And it happened because of obedience. But it scares him. And in Luke 5, 8 through 11, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Wait, I thought he had met Jesus before and just heard a sermon. Okay, no, that's another message. And for he, he was astonished in all that uh, were with him at the catch of the fish were had taken. And so also with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, coolest name in the whole Bible right there, Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from now on you will catch men. What was the focus of, of Peter before? What was his profession? Fish. What's Jesus saying he's going to be now? Fisher of men. So, what did we learn from this story? That fishermen like to catch fish. Now, is that deep? Huh? I don't know, that kind of blew some of y'all away, but fishermen like to catch fish. And a fisherman can spend thousands of dollars on tools of the trade. They can watch fishing shows. They can read fishing magazines. They can have your $50,000 boat. They can have all the fishing attire. They can have expensive lures. They can have rods, reels, nets. They can know where things are because of sonar. They can have heat-seeking missiles, whatever they want on their boat. But if they don't catch fish, what is it? I'm going to say it's foolishness. Okay? I mean, if Greg Heinzman comes and says, hey, I'm taking up this thing, I just spent $100,000 on this whole setup. How much fish have you got? Well, none. <laughs> How many times have you been out? All week. And I love and respect Greg, but I'm thinking this doesn't add up, okay? You spent all this money and you haven't caught a fish? That's foolishness, right? I'm going somewhere with this, so don't just, just trust me on this. So the primary objective is fishermen to catch fish. What is the primary objective of our church? You see, we can have all the tools. We can have a beautiful building. We can have a wonderful worship team. We can have an awesome youth program. We can have classes meeting every night. But if we're not reaching people for Christ, if we're not changing people's lives, if we're not discipling them and who they are in Christ, then it's just as much foolishness as all that money being spent on fishing equipment and you don't fish. Because all of these things are just tools. You see, I think we have the best worship team in the Metroplex. 
I really do. And while I'm going to do this, I'm going to put in a little P.S. I want us to start praying for them each week like you pray for Kristen and I. And I hope that you are praying for Kristen and I because they are being attacked, okay? They're being attacked in their bodies. They're being attacked in their businesses. And we need to be praying for them. They lead us in worship. And in return, we need to be praying for them. The only time that any of these worship team members should not be popping in your head is when you see them on Sunday. In fact, take one of their worship songs and start singing it this week. Just honoring God through worship. Every week, say, that's the song I'm going to sing this week. And if you have to write down the words, write down the words, whatever it is. But we need to be praying for our worship team. Now I'll get back on my little soapbox. Okay, we're off my soapbox. So these are tools. Our primary objective is to change people's lives. This church does not exist to build the biggest campus that the Metroplex has ever seen. This church does not exist so that we can put on a concert every week for your entertainment and not change lives through worship. And I'm going to tell you, there are churches that are doing those exact same things. And I'm not their judge, but you know what? Our purpose is to be changing lives. So when we see the scriptures in Luke 19.10, 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was the primary objective of Jesus. That should be the primary objective of the church. Okay? Nowhere does it say, build a multi-campus, go millions of dollars in debt and squeeze the people. Make them feel horrible. Beat them down. That's not what it's... Our primary objective is to seek and save the lost. And I'm going to tell you, it's foolish if you don't think that there are hurting people in your world. You live in a bubble that you probably never leave your house or apartment if that's what your world is. God surrounded you with hurting people, depressed people, discouraged people, sick people that need restoration, that need a Savior, that need to know what Jesus did in your life. And you know what? There will be people that will argue, well, God is not God, and Jesus is not Jesus, and this is not that. But they cannot argue what God has done in your life. You see, I was in a hospital bed without a good diagnosis. Probably at the age of about 21, when I was very healthy and I was dying and they weren't giving much hope to my parents and all this conversation is going outside the door and I'm not even aware of it. Three, four days later, I'm leaving that hospital totally held, totally healed, totally healed and never had an incident of that. Don't tell me God doesn't heal. Oh, that was back then. No, that was back in 1980, 82. If that's back then, then that's back then. But God's a healing God. God is a restoring God. God gives peace. God brings hope. God brings joy. And no one can argue that. That's what the people out there need to see about the church. They don't need to see that we judge them. You're not wearing the right clothes. You don't look like I do. You don't belong in this church. You know what? I may be praying that God sends us the stinkiest people in the whole Metroplex and come and sit by you to teach you a lesson on how we need to love our brother. But he smells, Pastor. Then give him Germex. Hey, here's some Germex. Mean and green. Here. Here you go. Here you go. Here. Shh. 
Okay, here you go. Here you go. God loves them the way they are. Who are we to pick and choose who we want to love? A fisherman is going to pick a good fish, say, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Oh, I don't want that one. <laughs> they do. So how does Jesus teach us to fish? How does Jesus teach us to fish? He starts with people that want to be with him. Let me ask you this. We've got the $50,000 boat. And I said, hey, Stephen, you want to come fish with me? Zach, you want to come fish? Danny, you want to come fishing? Do you want to put people on a small boat for many hours that like you or don't like you? This is really a no-brainer, okay? This is not a trick question. Do you want to spend hours with people who like you or don't like you? So because they like you, they're willing to go out on a boat with you because they think you're crazy. They're going to go out on a boat with you, and they're going to fish for several hours. And guess what? You're going to get to know them better. Okay. So when Jesus came in, and maybe you've never seen this before, when he asked Peter to get into his boat, we thought that this was some random thing. Oh, hey, a boat. Hey, that's Peter. Hey, I'm going to get in it. No, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. So he goes in, and he says, hey, Peter. I see even Pew sitting in my church on a few of these messages. Can I borrow your boat? Just like David. Sure, Pastor. This is Walmart, this parking lot. Go ahead. Because of the relationship. So Jesus starts with people that like him, want to be around him. And he asked Peter to do something. And Peter was not offended. Peter got the best seat in the house right there. Now, you're at church today because I hope that you like Jesus. I hope that you like being at church. I hope that you like my preaching. I hope that you like the worship team and the way they lead us. Maybe, maybe you're here thinking this was dance class was starting a little bit. That's afterwards, okay? But I'm thinking you're here because you like Jesus. So people that are looking to be fishers of men should like Jesus. And Jesus is looking for people that already like him. Want to be with them. The first thing that we're going to have to learn to do to be fishers of men is we're going to have to learn to serve. Because the first thing that Jesus asked the Peter to do was, hey, would you let me borrow your boat and just cast out a little so I can preach the message to these people? Peter's thinking, hey, that's no sweat off my brow. I'll do this. But it was obedience. And before Jesus started talking to Peter about being fishermen and performing miracles, he asked for a very simple form of obedience. Would you serve? You know what? Serve. Become a greeter. Become a nursery worker. Contact Danny and Lane and say, hey, I want to help set up. I want to help tear down. I want to help tear down, Danny, so that the last item that gets put up, I'm putting up and you're not having to put up. Not just when it's convenient, everybody else to leave and I want to leave. I want to pick a ministry that I can serve people. Mission Arlington. Arlington Charities. And you know what? When you serve and you do something very simple, say, I'm doing this for God. I'm not doing this for Mark. I'm not doing this for Danny. I'm not doing this for, for uh, Tilly. I'm, I'm doing this for God. And the more that you're obedient in little things, God says, you know what? 
There's a lot of other things they could have been doing right now. I really like them. I really, really like them. In fact, I love them. And I love what they're doing. Now, I'm going to tell you, your relationship with Christ is not based on works. God loves you the way you are. You don't earn your way into heaven. But I'll tell you, if you're going to be an impact to other people, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Like that song said, you're going to have to break out of your comfort zone. There might be a border you have to cross. You may have to get out of the shallow water. Okay? But that's what God's... And basically, when Peter's washing his nets, he said, Hey, would you help me? Can I use your boat? So he rows out a little bit. And he serves. And he's doing this for Jesus. I think he's sitting there saying, Man, I'm kind of helping this rabbi preach the message to the people. Me, my boat. Hey, people. Peter, boat. Jesus. (laughs) We're like this. Don't think you wouldn't be doing the same thing, right? (laughs) Do I look at the people? Do I not? Do I look at him? Where do I look, you know? But Jesus doesn't stop there. He's going to ask you to go a little deeper into the water. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I like the greeting part. Nursery kind of scared me, Pastor, but now you're asking me to do a little deeper in the water? No, God is. All right? And notice in 5.4, I read this earlier, it's not on one of the slides, gentlemen, but it says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So what's Peter supposed to do on this? Because in Peter's mind, this shouldn't work. There shouldn't be any fish in this water. Let me give you one other perspective that maybe never entered your pretty little brain. Peter's a professional fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter turned rabbi. It's the middle of the day, fishing where you shouldn't be fishing. And maybe Peter's saying, what are the other fishermen going to say if I do this? We've all been there. What will my friend say (laughs) if I do this? If I go to the park and I start telling people about Christ, what if I run into somebody I know? What if my neighbor's there? What if my manager there hates me, okay? God, wouldn't that just be funny if you sent that person into my life while I'm out trying to tell them that God loves them? Okay, another message right there, too. We'll put a pin in that. In the same way, Jesus is asking us to go into deeper waters, deeper faith, and to start letting down our nets. And I can guarantee you that the moment that you start getting challenged by God, there are going to be little thoughts in your head that says, this won't work. This isn't the right time. This isn't the right part of the lake. This is, this is, he doesn't know what he's asking me to do. And I want you to remember one thing. If you can remember one thing about this message, it wasn't Peter's expertise. And it wasn't Peter's skill that filled the nets. Jesus filled the nets. 
happen. Everything that Peter was saying, it shouldn't happen, shouldn't work, shouldn't, this shouldn't happen. They, they'll never receive Christ. They won't listen to me. They don't like me. This won't happen. I don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm too broke. I'm too this. All Jesus is saying is, would you do it? And let me take care of the rest. And I think it was humbling when they started breaking the nets and Peter's probably remembering how he was telling Jesus, this isn't the right time. This, is, this shouldn't be happening. Instantly, he fell down and said, you're Messiah. And I'm sinner. And you know what that sinner meant? I doubted you. That's good right there. Okay? Because he was constantly, he was instantly thinking all the times he doubted God and saying, this shouldn't, this, oh, God, I'm so sorry. There are people that are going to be telling you that you can't be healed. There are going to be people that are telling you you will not accomplish. There are going to be people that will always try to tell you why you're wrong. And if God has called you to do it, you do it. And you let him fulfill himself through you. And don't get a big head when it does happen. So there's a lot of ministries that have fallen because the pastor got a big head. I'm just being honest with you. Look at what God has done as they're holding their arms out. Peter obeyed, the nets were filled. And let me tell you, God is more concerned with your obedience than your performance. I'm going to say that again. God is more concerned with your obedience than your performance. Let me tell you, even if you only catch one person your whole life, Andrew, which was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the only person that's ever referenced that he led to Christ was his brother Peter. Ananias is only mentioned once in the book of Acts, and the only person he read, led to Christ was Saul, who became Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And maybe you're only going to lead one person to Christ, but you never know what God has planned for that one person in Christ. That's true. What about the person that led Billy Graham to Christ? What about the person that led John Osteen to Christ? What about these generals in Christ that have come and gone, but somebody led them to Christ? These men, as far as we know it, lowered their net and caught one soul for Christ. And as I close, I'm going to read to you a little story from Max Licato. And it says, his hands were twisted and his feet were useless. And he can't bathe himself, he can't feed himself, and he can't brush his teeth. He can't even put on his own underwear. His shirts are held together by strips of Velcro. And his speech drags like a worn out audio cassette. And Robert has cerebral palsy. This disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bus, or going for a walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating from high school or attending Abilene Christian University, which he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching in a St. Louis junior college or from venturing overseas on five missions trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. So he moved to Lisbon alone 
1972. And he rented out a hotel room and he began to study Portuguese. And he found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour. And he found a tutor who would instruct him in the language. And then he stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures about Jesus Christ. And within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord. One of those became his wife, Rosa. When we start telling God all the reasons why we can't be effective, I want you to think about Robert. My dad, who I go visit, is 92 years young. Still lives in his own house, still mows his own yard, and on those four weekends a year I go down there, works me like a dog. Everywhere we go. He hands out a card. Sometimes it's embarrassed me because we were in a hurry. Sorry. I love my dad. Card just says, heaven or hell, where are you going to spend eternity? <laughs> You'd have to meet my dad. He gets right to the chase. We're at Walmart. Before the cashier gets his money, he gives him a card. We go through the drive-thru. He's handing me the card to hand to the person. I'm telling you. And then they'll say, oh, I know where I'm going. And he says, so tell me why. And I'm like, Dad, we're in a hurry. This is going to take a little while. But he realizes that at age 92, there's not a whole lot of other things he can do to reach people for Christ. Is that the best way to reach people for Christ? We could argue all day long. But I'm never going to criticize somebody who's doing something, especially if I'm not doing anything. We have church cards back on the table. Take some. Invite people to church. You don't want to talk about Christ? Bring them here. I'll talk about Christ. I love Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of what he's done in my life. I give every, pretty much every Sunday an invitation to, to get to know him. If you don't want to talk to people, hand them a card. Love on them. Do something nice. Pay for the person's food behind you in a drive-thru and ask the person to give them a card. Invite them to church if they don't have a church. Why don't you radically change somebody's life by doing something other than for yourself? Let down your nets. Let Jesus fill the nets. Amen. It's not about your knowledge. You know, well, what if I share something and somebody has a question I can't answer? Tell them. I don't know. That's a great question. Let's go find somebody smarter. I'm not Google. But at least they should be caring that you care enough about them to share about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, people don't really care what kind of vitamins you take, what kind of insurance you have, what animal you have that represents the insurance that you're taking, whether it's a duck or a gecko, whatever the thing. Fifteen minutes should change their life. That's when you're really good. 
but if we're going to be a church, the primary objective as a church is changing lives. And that's why we're going to learn how to fish. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I have talked about a relationship with Jesus Christ throughout this message. I have talked about how Jesus healed me, how he delivered me. None of us were saints before we came to Christ. None of us were perfect. You want to share war stories? There are some people that can go toe-to-toe and make your story look pitiful. There are alcoholics. There were drug addicts. There were sex addicts. There were all kind of people. And God loved him so much that he sent his son to die on a cross because we would never be good enough on our own to be in the presence of God. A lot of people accept Jesus Christ because they don't want to go to hell. But what Jesus is really looking for is fishers of men that get so in love with God that said, I got to tell you about what Christ has done for me. I got to tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. That's true fishers of men. Maybe you said, I'm not sure of my relationship with Christ. If I were to die in an accident today, I don't know where I'd be spending eternity. Eternity, forever. Not for a year, 10 year, 20 years, forever. And I'm giving you an opportunity to do one of the very simplest, most life-changing things you'll ever do, and that's just say, God, come into my life. I've messed up my life. I've made a ruin of it. I can't take this anymore. This is all bigger than I am, but it's not bigger than you are. And I need you. And if you're willing to say that prayer, he's willing to come into your life. But that's the first step of any relationship. Then you get into the word of God. You study what the scriptures say. Read the book of Romans. Read the book of John. Go through Psalms and Proverbs. Worship. Go for a walk with God and just talk to him. I've gone for a walk and I've even yelled. But go for a walk with God. Get the junk out of your life. Don't think you can bring God into your junk. There's not room. Get the junk out of your life. And see the change that he's going to start bringing in. Peace like you've never experienced before. Joy when everything else in your world is bad. I've been there. Love when you're hurt. Strength when you're tired. A holy anger about things that are wrong when everybody else is complacent. And that's what God brings into our lives when we invite him in. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, would you pray with me? I'm going to ask everybody to say this prayer. So pray it. But God knows if this is your time that you're really asking him into your life. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen, 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 amen. So are we ready to become fishers and men? Or is this just going to be a series that I talk about? It's like, oh, I loved his hat. <laughs> but we don't get changed. This week, I'd like for you to have a few homework assignments. One, pray for Kristen and I. Pray for Dino, Stephen, Michael, Randy, David, Joseph. Pray for him. Back at the table, take one church card, just one. Say, I'm going to ask somebody to come to church. Just one. Because if they won't take it, they won't give it. So they're there. One person. You catch them, we'll clean them. I'd like to stand for you to stand. I'm going to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. I want to thank you for coming today. Thank you for hearing this word. God's got some amazing things in store for us. Our best is yet to come. Our best is yet to come. Our best is yet to come. I'm st I got one on the back row. Our best is yet to come. Amen. There we go. So may the Lord bless you and may he protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. We love you, love you, love you.